WTBRFM, Pittsfield. Welcome to Ham on WTBR, the all-inclusive ham radio show for hams and non-hams alike. Be part of the show. Contact us on www.facebook.com slash hamjamtv. And now the hosts of the show, Peter and Jessica. Ham on. Welcome, Berkshire County, Pittsfield, Mass. Hello. Yes, we got the old theme rolling here. Yay! Even though, for the time <laughs> being, we are, we are still at home, but... Yeah, um, true, very true. We figured we'd uh, get back to, to our, reg, our regularly scheduled theme. Welcome to Ham On from Studio 2 at home. Studio 2. We will be back on July 1st, on July 3rd or whatever that Wednesday is, uh, but we will be back yes. in, in, in the studio. We have, a, we have a special guest lined up for that day. Yes, yes we do. So, what is going on? What is going on? What is going on? I have, um... You have? Oh, I got a couple first announcement. Um, we decided, I decided, um, that our field day up at Windsor will be canceled. Um, there's just no way to, to do everything that everybody wants to be done to, to make a success up there. So we'll try it again next year, but the field day up in Windsor has been canceled. So um, we're hoping we're hoping we're still to do to still do the section picnic on July 18th, but um, field day has been canceled. And again, still looking for NCS for cycle two of the Western Mass Traffic Net. If you'd like to be an NCS for cycle two at 4:30, KD2JKV at ARRL dot net. Do you have news? Yes. Do you want regular news or do you want uh, solar? Solar weather. You got you got space weather. I got space weather too. Yeah. Do you, do you want to do the space weather? Mm, you can do space weather. You want me to do the space weather? You can do space weather. So since we have space weather, hold on. Space weather. Space weather. Do you do your thing? <clears throat> Two new sunspots emerged this. This week with a one-day gap on Tuesday with no sunspots. Average sunspot numbers rose from zero last week to 3.3. And this week, May uh, May 28th through June 3rd. <coughs> it seems odd, but average, da average daily solar flux was 69.6 unchanged from the previous uh, seven days average planetary planetary a index rose from <coughs> four to six but average middle middle latitude a index was 5.7 same with last 
week. Um, there was, as far as on June 1st, there was, according to Jim Wilson, K5ND, I'm sure you've heard already about the extraordinary six meter activity this past weekend. I heard about a big opening early Sunday morning from Pacific from the Pacific Northwest into Alaska and Japan. Oh, that's not that's really good. There was a CW Friday on May 30th. There is a lot of provocation from um from it being open. Um there's one from Westford, Massachusetts. Richard Ferry, K two K A. Uh they had a six meter opening on FT eight. That was coming. That was uh, coming from Europe. So the sunspots are helping with a lot of propagation. Yeah. Yay. We fi we finally got some coming in. Yes. Um. Here's something. A series of phishing email scams targeting amateurs have been showing up across the region. These scams involve persuading the intended victim to purchase gift cards on behalf of a known acquaintance. Assistant Section Manager Phil Temples, K9HI, received one such message this afternoon purporting to be from a Western Mass Section staff member asking, I was wondering if I could get a quick favor from you. Is there any grocery store around you? I, I, got, I actually got the same email um, that, that this guy got too. Um, part of the Westfield Club President George Allison K1IG wrote to the part membership emails are being sent from bogus ham email addresses to the part website mm. info address and to individual hams using callbook or qrz.com addresses these email emails look like they came from a ham since they have a call sign as the originating address the emails ask for info on local stores probably to scam you into buying gift cards i got one today and checked in with the real ham whose email address I had, and he verified that it wasn't from him. If you receive one of these messages, be sure to send it to the junk mail folder. I got one last week saying the same thing. I actually called him and said, yeah, he changed his password. He got a number of calls that said he was uh, getting um, getting these emails, or uh, people were telling him about these emails that were going out. So just be careful and make sure that you check and make sure the emails are legit because they are going around that's some insane stuff man really really yeah insane. i got i got the same exact email yeah um, i remember that you called yeah i him. called i called him and, and asked him hey uh you know are you uh did, uh did you send this email and he said no he changed his password you got a few calls so just uh check your emails um if they if they, they look like that email the uh, person or call the person to have their number and make sure they're not legit and then just uh, delete them. Uh, Berkshire Humane Society, bunch of stuff going on at Berkshire Humane. Well, yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot of. Besides your, your, your daily plea or your weekly plea, but there's some stuff going on at Berkshire Humane and we want to keep you up to date on that, so. Um, on Friday, Berkshire Humane Society 
will be in southern Berkshire County dispersing uh, cat food, cat and dog food for those in need from their van at the Paradise facility, uh, 301 Stockbridge Road, Great Barrington, across from the McDonald's. It will be going on from 10 from 10 a.m. till noon. They are also launching their annual car raffle fundraiser with uh, Hadaya Subaru. Choose your Subaru. Uh, ticket tickets are there are going to be sold for a uh, a feed, and also there's a fee for three of them if you want to. Um, the the grand prize that they're auctioning off is a choice between a cross track forester or an outback. Um. Call the shelter at 413-447-7878, extension 131 for tickets. This is their biggest fundraiser and the only one that has not been canceled uh, due to COVID-19. The drawing will be on October 31st, so uh, Halloween they'll be doing their drawing and see who won. If you want to check the price of the tickets, you can also you can go to. Uh, you can ask them about the price. Yeah, of the you tickets. could go to to, to Berkshire Humane uh, website, Berkshire Humane uh, Society website, and ask them uh, or for the ticket prices, or give them a call. Or give them a call at four one three four four seven seven eight seven eight, extension one thirty one. They will give you the prices for the uh, the tickets. And are we still doing uh, donations? And yes, for anybody, for anybody that can do donations um, to help with the pet, to help with uh, the pet food pantry. Please go ahead and give them a call at four at the same number four one three four four seven seven eight seven eight and tell them that you have donations to help out. With the Humane Society, or if you're looking for help, again, it's the same number, and let them know that you need help from the pet food pantry. Um, they will ask you what animal, what animal you have, how many do you have, um, and they'll help you with, uh, with what you need. Most of the donations that they're looking for is for small animals. So, um, rabbit food, guinea pig food, um, hay for those, uh, animals. Bedding, you know, um, pretty much exotic animals are the and small animals are the biggest ones that they need help with. I mean, they get a lot of donations for kitties and doggies. Um, exotic animals are the ones that also need a lot of help. So think of our little small furry friends. 
and also our little feathery friends, the scaly friends. And when you go there, tell them you're heard here yes, on Ham yes, On, on WTVR. Yes, FM. please tell them you heard it from uh, us. Regularly scheduled Aries and information that's on the 146.94 with a PL 127.3 Mount Tom repeater has been experiencing technical problems. These problems appear to be more noticeable generally to the south and east of the Mount Tom repeater location. Please note that stations generally north and west seem to be operating normally at this time. The tech folks, uh, tech folks at MTARA are aware of these problems and are working to fix them due to circumstances beyond their control. It may be some time before these problems can be alleviated. In the interim, Aries net control stations that are having difficulty at this time with the repeater, it is suggested that they transmit their nets on 443.200 with a PL of 127.3. During those nets, if you encounter stations whose signals are not making the repeater, suggest that they A, up their power, B, if portable, move their position, or C, try to change to 443.200 with a PL of 127.3. If we determine that the above options are not adequate, we may have to consider moving the nets to 147.000 with a PL of 127.3, the Granville repeater, until nets on the 9.4 have been completed. And just a shout out that we are, we are now being heard in the Boston area. Both our shows, this one and, and the Beatles show, are being uh, heard yeah. now in the Boston area. So Thank you. We're, as well as, as on podcasts across the nation. So... Thanks yes. to everybody, and, and we, thank will, you, thank you. we will be back in studio July. Um, we figured we'd give it another month and let uh, WTBR um, get a little bit more open than they are because we really want to get Susie back in the fray yeah, here. Yeah, we um, do. And I think by July we'll be able to get her back in the we studio. Me, I, I missed throwing Dad under the bus with Susie. <laughs> yes, now she's all alone here throwing me under the bus. Uh, hey, it's fun and it's fun, isn't it? It's fun being under the bus. Oh, it, it, it's great. I just love being under the bus every week. On the bottom of the hour. Bottom we of talked the hour. about this. We, 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 I, I talked about this so much off the air and a little bit on the air. I got him. Riley Hollingsworth. Oh, yes, you did. We'll be on our show here at the bottom of the hour talking about the new volunteer mentor program. He's been busy. He's, he's been on... Uh, WK5UB uh, show. He's brain been farting, on, brain farting. He's been on a lot of shows. We finally got him on here. Mm. And he's going to talk a lot about uh, the volunteer mentor program and, and what's going on with that. Yes, um, yes, yes. Next week, um, Greg, our, our uh, technical coordinator, will be here. And he'll be talking about what's going on in Western Massachusetts as far as the techno coordinator. Uh, and the last show in June before we go back to the studio is fitting will be Matt Tucker. Uh, yep. Who's uh, been keeping us going on the air here for a while since uh, since the COVID-19 thing. But uh, we have him on the show. And we thank, and we thank him every time for... And, and for, he'll for, be... Uh, Talking about PCTV and WTBR and things that are uh, going on there and that will be going on there and, and how we get things back in motion. So that'll be a nice show for the end of the uh, at the end of the uh, month. 
And then when we come back to the show in July, July, we will have a special show. Hopefully, Susie will be there. But we will have a special guest for that show in July that you'll just have to wait till that show. Ah, yes. And I got a couple other returning guests um, coming back. I'm not sure if they're going to be in the studio or on the phone. Um, we'll let you know that as as we go on. Uh, but it's nice that things are opening up. And by the time you hear this show, because we're taping this on a Sunday night, so when, we, when the show airs on Wednesdays, Phase 2 will be opened up um, here in Massachusetts. And there'll be a lot in pools will be opening, campgrounds will be opening, day camps will be opening. So we're looking forward to that. Um, That's true. We have, uh, let's see, okay, we did that, we did that. You got any more news? What, you, got, you got anything for us? I mean, I've got stuff, but if you got stuff, you do stuff. Stuffs. Stuffs. We've got we've got all kinds of stuffs. Uh, here we go. Amateur radio on the international international space station. A R I S S partner. I S S above above inventor. Uh, Liam Kennedy. K N six E. QU of Pasadena, California has been declared the winner in a mid-altitude cross-continent educational uh, challenge balloon race. Awesome. Cool. <coughs> what is a cross-continental challenge balloon race? I'm, I'm going to let you know. Okay. She's going to tell his us. Balloon, his balloon was one of four launched on June 1st from the West Coast with the goal to reach the Eastern Time, the goal reaching Eastern Time Zone uh, first. Coming in second was the balloon of ten, uh, Ted uh, Tagami, KK6UUQ, also from ARISS. Uh, it began when educator Joanna Michael, KM6BWB, a scientist coach at the Westburn Unified School District in Los Angeles, challenged another ARISS partner group to a mid-altitude cross-continental balloon race. Uh, Michael has led Michael has led her students in a in several balloon launch attempts from Los from the Los Angeles area each year. Given the disruption caused schools by the COVID nineteen pandemic, Michael wanted to shake things up a bit and give students worldwide a unique distance learning treat. That could safely be accomplished during the pandemic. She cha- she challenged Tagame. Uh, Tagame and he accepted on the thirty first a fourteen a fourth team joined in the competition. Steve Potter, K seven H A K and Trevor 
Big Dev from Washington. Uh, tag me Lawson Lunch's Balloon from Oakland, California. A-A-R-I-S-S partner, ISS above, inventor, Liam. Got one of the idea and came aboard and launched his from Pasadena, of course. Uh, the balloon is to measure location, altitude, the idea of the balloon is to measure location, altitude, temperature, which is fed automatically to the automa uh, automatic packet report system, so it it goes and checks the temperature, the location of, of the temperature, um, terrain, and how high it got as it circled the globe. Cool. And it was to show it was to show kids how um, ham radio is how ham radio can be connected to science because it worked off the packet and the call signs from everybody involved in it was it kept um, blinking it out in Morse code. <laughs> Impressive. That was a little bit loud. Yeah, we should think? should turn that down a little bit, but that's all right. Oh, thank you, Darf. Thank you, Darf. So, um, and, and and with the astronauts up in up in space now, there's a thing that's going around my um, IO groups um, that we're sending. That people are sending radiograms to uh, the astronauts in in the space station. How they're getting to the space station, I don't know, but we're sending them to a land-based uh, um, amateur radio call sign um, to an amateur radio operator who somehow is going to get them to the ISS or whatever. Because I think the, uh, they're going to be up there for three months. But yeah, um, if, you want to, if you want to know how to get into the radiograms and how to send them, uh, talk to my buddy James N1PZP. Um, you can look him up on QRZ um, and or jump into the heavy hitters traffic. James net. from New Hampshire, James. James from New Hampshire, James. Oh, uh, nice. Or get up on the uh, Echo Link, uh, the Echo Link um, heavy hitters traffic net. We're gonna have James on. I think he's gonna be on early July um, live. And he's probably, it's probably one of the things he is going to talk about. Probably. Probably. Uh, okay, the ARL invites applicant, applications for awards and programs assistance. ARRL is inviting applications to fill in the position of awards and programs. Assistant ARRL headquarters in Newington, Connecticut. This is a full-time non-exempt opening in the radio sport and field services department. The pay range is from 1608 to 1930 per hour. The awards and pro programs assistant will help with all radio sport and field services department activities with an initial priority on logbook of the world. Support other duties may involve supporting DXCC and other awards programs, W1AW, station operations and contest programming. 
and field service support. This individual would also handle special products that may be assigned and represent ARRL in public forums worldwide. The successful candidate will, po will possess a well-rounded knowledge of amateur radio, an amateur radio extra class license, and two years of operating experience. The ability to quickly understand and explain software functionality and proficiency in keyboarding and data entry. This individual should have attained DXCC. Regularly submit context logs to sponsors using LOTW and be able to resolve issues efficiently. A bachelor's degree is preferred. The ideal candidate will have excellent interpersonal telephone and listening skills and be proficient in public presentations. Some overnight travel may be required. To apply, submit a cover letter and resume via mail, email, or fax to ARRL, care of Monique Levesque, 225 Main Street, Newing, Connecticut, 06111. The fax number is 860-594-0298. For complete position information, visit ARRL Employment Opportunities and scroll down to Awards and Programs Assistant. ARRL is an equal opportunity employer. So there you go. So a couple minutes, before, a couple minutes before break. Yeah. What's been going on? Uh, Nothing much since last week, right? Yeah, literally. Where, where, where? Uh, what have I been doing? I've been watching anime. She's she, watching. She's been She's been. She's been up to our our ears with Naruto all of a sudden. What? Hey, if anybody knows, I've been doing it for about a year now. Yeah. So also on top of that, uh, watch movies with you. Um. Playing video games like the nerd that I am. The nerd that you are. Doing this two and two radio shows every week. Doing the two radio shows. I don't remember how to do this from the studio when we get back. It's been so long since. Probably have to take a crash course. Which slider <laughs> went where? And, uh, but uh, we'll be glad to be back on TV, back on PC TV. Starting in yes. July, <coughs> the simulcast will keep going and you'll be able to see us once again. You know, you've been hearing us for the past. Two months, and I can stop bugging Matt Tucker via email <laughs> to get my shows up and running. Yeah, that's true. With two shows, and then I then I, I have direct the show. The camera. For, I have to get used to the cameras again. Then I, mm -hmm. then I direct know, know Your Berkshires for Carol, so I'm adding her shows together from Zoom. And, and so it's, it's been really busy. So when we come back from the break. From the break. Riley Hollingsworth will be here. So kick back and keep it tuned to Ham On on WTBR-FM. We would be honored if you would join us. WTBR. WTBR. Okay, people, time to disperse. Party's over. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. 
This is the Goodwill Industries of the Berkshires and Southern Vermont. Our mission is to help our community members with barriers to employment, attain independence and self-sufficiency, gain confidence and enhance quality of life, all through vocational, educational work, training, and support services. You can contact Goodwill at 413-442-0061 or go to our website at www.goodwill-berkshires.com. Hi, I'm Megan Cooper, and I'm the Transition to Adulthood Counselor at AdLib. The Transition to Adulthood program is a grant-funded program that aims to assist students with a range of disabilities to reach a higher level of success. The program works with all students in Berkshire County who are between 14 and 21 years old in an IEP or a 504 plan. Students work with a transition counselor to develop goals based on their needs and interests and then continue working with their counselor once a week towards that goal. Areas of service can include but are not limited to personal health maintenance, home management, transportation training, social and communication skills, self-advocacy, money management, job readiness, and college preparation. For more information, please visit our website at www.adlibcil.org or contact me, Megan Cooper, at 413-442-7047, extension 30. WTBR-FM is listener-supported radio. That means we depend on your donations to keep the station on the air. All the local content and the music you love requires your support. You can make your donation today at WTBRFM.com by calling 445-4234 or stopping by our studio at 4 Federico Drive in Pittsfield. You'd be glad you did. Pittsfield Community Radio, for the love of radio. This is ridiculous. It's crazy. I feel like I'm babysitting except I'm not getting paid. And welcome to Ham On. Welcome back to Ham On. On the phone, we have Riley Hollingsworth, K4ZDH. He's, he's the former FCC special counsel for amateur radio enforcement. And he revamped the uh, old version of the official observer program. So, Riley, thank you. Finally have you on the show and welcome to Ham On. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, it's great to be here. We've been trying to set this up for a while and glad it finally went through. Yeah, so um, other than the special counsel to the SEC, give us a little bio about yourself to, to start us off with. Well, I came to the FCC after uh, law school, planning to stay three years and then go back to uh, South Carolina to practice law with my cousin. But the FCC was very interesting, and, and still is, but it was very interesting in, in that time. That was uh, 73 and 74, and cable was exploding, and, and uh, Sailor was around the corner. Land Mobile was exploding. There was a good bit of amateur enforcement, and I just enjoyed it. And uh, my cousin would often say, come on back, and, and uh, we'll set you up an office here. But I'll have to tell you, we do sewer easements, divorces, and taxes. And um, that, compared to what I was getting to do at the FCC Plus to travel, just was not the same. So I ended up staying 35 years, um, about 18 years in the D.C. office and about the um, just about the same number of years in the Gettysburg office uh, in licensing and enforcement. Uh, I actually wasn't in amateur enforcement until, except for a case here and here and there, uh, wasn't in it big time until about... Um, 
1999 when it was decided to restart amateur enforcement after a hiatus of, 12, of about 12 years. Uh, the FCC didn't have the staff to do amateur enforcement during that 12-year period because of uh, cable and cellular and land mobile and, and trunking, SMR trunking and all that. Uh, so we didn't start it again uh, until 1999. So before we get into the new, let's talk a minute about the old and what was the old um, official observer program and how did it get started? Well, the official observer program uh, goes back decades, and it was a very good, very good program. And amateur radio is supposed to be self-regulating, and it largely is. All of us took exams to know how to operate this stuff. And uh, so the, the official observer program was a way to, to uh, notify operators of things that might need improvement, such as uh, signal width. Uh, uh, signal distortion, uh, signal quality, key clicks, and things like that. It was a good program, and, and uh, case referrals that uh, related to interference were sent to the FCC over the years. And, of course, during that 12-year period, the FCC didn't handle any of those, uh, maybe one a year. But when we restarted the amateur enforcement program, I went down to headquarters and uh, got boxes and boxes of cases submitted by the OOs that were good cases. Uh, nobody had worked on them, but they were good cases. So we started out the enforcement program with those cases. And um, over the years, you know, we're coming on to about 20 years now or more of government cutbacks. So um, the, the FCC field offices have undergone uh, reductions in force uh, for a long time now. And at the present time, the number of field offices is about half of what it used to be even 10 years ago, 12 years ago. Uh, and the number of engineers, the RF engineers, is about half of what it used to be. A lot of good engineers left. Uh, a lot of good engineers stayed. So uh, the FCC began to realize that maybe uh, as an adjunct to enforcement, if the league would, could revamp uh, the OO program uh, and to uh, to rebrand it and to have better training, uh, re regular training in which the FCC participates and so forth, that maybe that would be a good adjunct to them. So we talked about this uh, for a year or so, and in, in March of 2019, an agreement was signed. But uh, I think that uh, the fact that we rebranded it to the Volunteer Monitor Program and that we have a new program now, uh, is a good reflection on the official observer program over the years because had not the FCC had confidence in that program, uh, they wouldn't have suggested uh, revamping it and enhancing it. So t tell us um, what the new volunteer mentor program is all about, what it encompasses, what it does, how do you get into it, um, whatever you can say without you know, giving out anything <laughs> that the FCC and the ARL, uh, ARRL doesn't want you to give out. Oh, it's, it's an open program. Uh, after a, a long, uh, long months of discussions in March 2019, the League and the FCC signed a uh, memorandum of understanding to establish this new volunteer monitor program to replace the OO program. And then in July, uh, that, that had been approved, the, the agreement had been approved on the League's part at its July 2018 meeting. 
So we continued uh, negotiations with the FCC and everybody signed everything in March of 2019. And uh, the purpose of it is, is to monitor the airways and collect evidence that, that can be used if necessary to correct misconduct. And the other big aspect of it is to recognize exemplary on the air operation. So, uh, as I said, the intent of the program was to re-energize the enforcement efforts in the amateur radio service. And um, the deal was, or the deal is, that cases of flagrant violations are to be referred to the FCC by the League uh, for action in accordance with the guidelines set up in this Memorandum of Understanding. And the FCC promised to uh, give enforcement priority to those cases developed by the Volunteer Monitor Program without the delay of the league having to refer cases through the online complaint process. So in May of 2019, after announcing this, uh, we started accepting applications. And uh, applicants had to be league members. And the reason for that is the agreement, the memorandum of understanding is with an association that is the ARRL. So the individual volunteer monitors have to be members. Now that's not to say that any other organization that represents amateur radio could not have a memorandum of understanding with the FCC too. This is not uh, exclusive, it just happens to be the only one at the present time. But applicants had to be members with no history of FCC enforcement actions, licensed for at least three years, and hold a technician or higher class license. Now the applicants were vetted through uh, the league at least one interview and a preliminary evaluation by the staff. Actually, we we had 195 interviews with the applicants, and we started through the applications on a chronological basis uh, by date of filing. So it wasn't where we don't like this one, this one's out, this one's in, we like this. We went right through the applications on a chronological basis. And uh, the other requirement w uh, is that they are to serve a three-year term at the pleasure of the interview. So at the pleasure of the league, I should say. So um, we've got approximately 250 applications, and uh, like I say, they were reviewed in chronological order. And approximately 195 were given telephone interviews, and we liked them. Uh, the applications were good. Um, their, their motives seemed to be just right down the line with what we wanted. They had uh, pretty good stations. We didn't require a lot of uh, technical or a lot of expensive equipment, just a basic station and uh, an interest in amateur radio and it was also important what bands they liked and what bands they operated on. So one by one we got up to about 190 and it was thought that that was a number that would be manageable or could be managed pretty easily uh, by the ARRL staff and the FCC agreed with that that uh, about 165 to 190 on any given day is, is a manageable number to deal with. Now the, the remaining applicants uh, were invited to be in a reserve pool, which we will use to replace the existing volunteer monitors as they rotate out of the program. Uh, and all of them agreed to be in the reserve pool. And already we've had to call on a couple and move them from the reserve pool into the regular pool, as some of the volunteer monitors have uh, strenuous job assignments overseas or personal health problems or maybe family health problems. So. Uh, we, we started the, we closed the application process in July. And so from July right on up through the fall, we made these phone calls, made the interviews. 
And then we started some basic uh, online training with the volunteer monitors. And uh, a soft rollout of this program began February 1st. And that was designed to familiarize the volunteer monitors uh, with issues on the bands and to put into practice what to report and what to ignore based on the training that we give them. And the important thing is here, we're not the band police. We're not nitpickers. And we don't want to be perceived as, as the band cops. Uh, we have to have the amateur radio operators buying into this, as they did with FCC amateur enforcement. Uh, I found that when I ran that for the FCC and the amateur service, that it seemed like 95% or more of amateur radio operators appreciated enforcement and bought into it. And had they not supported it, we could have had 100 people doing enforcement, and it would have done no good without the amateur radio service buy-in. One of the uh, volunteer monitors developed a program for us based on Microsoft Access called uh, he called a VM track, and this measures the work of the VMs. Uh, we can log their caseload into that. We can assign cases through it. It's not automated yet, but it almost is. And we can also track uh, the number of hours that they spend monitoring on the amateur bands, and they report that at the end of every month. And uh, in March, the uh, 165 active volunteer monitors logged about uh, 2,300 hours of monitoring just on the HF bands and about 2,000 hours on VHF, UHF, and, and other frequencies. So uh, that, that has gone very well. As of today, well, it looks like that uh, I'm still tallying April statistics, but it looks like that's going to be right around the same numbers, uh, approximately 2,000 2, hours on HF and about 18 to 2,000 on UHF and VHF. Now this is sit at the desk, real-time monitoring, not just having your, your transceiver on in the background. So uh, right now, um, as of this week, we have about 50 open cases. Um, 17 of those cases are good operator cases, and I'll get to those in a minute. Uh, two of them are going to the FCC, but in the others, we have experimented with uh, letters and telephone calls and, and an informal outreach to the people that were violating the rules uh, to, to talk with them and, and discuss amateur radio and, and how that amateur radio has to be, it, it has to be valid, it has to be high quality to remain part of our communications infrastructure. So uh, we saw most of those cases just informally. I think uh, usually, or not usually, but in an awful lot of cases, a one-on-one -on -one conversation or one-on-one -on -one contact. Uh, you can find out a lot about a person, and if you talk to them one-on-one, -on -one, they tend to see your side of enforcement, and uh, they, they're in a better position to explain their motives and why they were doing what they did and so forth. But I found that even if they squawk about that contact, in about 90% of the cases, the problem goes away. So... Um, after all this time and all this monitoring, having only a couple of cases that will go to the FCC, I think, is, uh, is pretty good. Uh, one involves a long-standing interference to a repeater in the Philadelphia area, and another one involves uh, interference on, on 40 meters. You know, uh, after years and years of amateur radio, I'm convinced that RF energy does cause brain damage, but basically only on two frequencies. Uh, 
one a frequency on on 75 meters and a frequency on 40 meters. It, it seems just judging from the contact. But anyway, that's where we stand now. Um, the two that we are referring to the FCC, one was referred yesterday. Uh, we we couldn't get any for anywhere informally or indirectly uh, working on that. Now, as I mentioned in the very beginning, one facet of this is the good operator notices. And the purpose of this is to encourage good operation in the amateur service and uh, to let the amateur service know that we are not the band police. We are the eyes and ears of the FCC in a sense. So uh, at the end of this last quarter, the quarter ending in, in March, uh, 17 operators in 15 states uh, got good operator notices. Uh, they went to a long time operators as well as newcomers. And in fact, by chance, and this was totally at random, a 13-year-old in North Carolina uh, got a good operator uh, report for a CW operation during the Youth on the Air special event. And a 14-year-old operator in Wyoming got a good operator uh, report for outstanding single sideband operation. Uh, some other examples, a two-meter repeater operator received a good operator report for establishing and maintaining a COVID-19 net in Pennsylvania. And uh, other operators got them for various reasons on both CW and sideband on 10, 20, 40, and 75 meters. Now, we'll be issuing good operator reports at the end of er during every quarter, and we'll report on that at the end of every quarter. So at the end of June, I hope we have you know, at least as many more good operator reports because that system seems to work pretty well. And, and the volunteer monitors that turned in the... Um, 13-year-old and the 14-year-old for a good operator report did not know that they were teenagers. Uh, of course, you can't always tell that now with our, with the FCC licensed database, but as it turns out, it was a 13-year-old and a 14-year-old. And I hope that, uh, I'm, I'm optimistic about all this, I hope that they have those uh, very nice reports on their wall and that it will encourage them to stay in amateur radio and make a career out of it. So. Uh, so far, uh, th that's where we are as of today, and I'll break in case you have any comments or questions, but then I have a few more comments on just the state of the amateur bands generally. Okay, yeah, we have a couple of questions here. Question number one is, you mentioned the training. What kind of training and how much training did the uh, amateurs go through to be able to become part of this project? Well, we set up a, uh, I wouldn't say chat room, but it was a little thing on the internet where they could turn in cases they thought needed enforcement action. And then we could discuss why that is a good case or not so good case. And, you know, if you have somebody that's operating vintage equipment on a vintage net and they have key clicks, that, that's not a problem. That's a situation. Vintage equipment has key clicks a lot of it does so that's not something you would cite somebody for and uh, if somebody didn't identify after 10 minutes but they identified after 15 and then again at 30 and, and again at 40 minutes that's not an issue that's the situation so it was on the job training uh, for January is what it amounts to they would send in what they thought uh, was a case and we would discuss it uh, they would also send in what they thought 
warranted good operator awards and we, we went through all those because you don't get a good operator report from the volunteer monitor program just for following the rules. It, it's got to be something that you're contributing to uh, in regard to amateur radio. So I guess the, the nutshell answer is that it's on the job training. They have uh, probably the volunteer monitors have sent in a hundred situations by now to 150 and we have uh, gone back to them on about 50 of them and said this is a one-off incident. Uh, this could have been uh, totally accidental interference. Uh, if somebody makes a call one time to a DX station and they're out of band, they're out of their license class and they don't come back, they don't try it again. Usually that's somebody realizing, oh my gosh, I'm out of band. So we don't, we don't cite for things like that. We're not nitpicking because amateur radio, you're supposed to make mistakes in amateur radio. That's how you learn. And we want uh, newcomers to get on the air and make mistakes. It's the enforcement, the conduct-oriented enforcement that, that, ha that is so important to amateur radio, not any given amateur radio operator making mistakes. For example, I'm sure there are a lot of extra class listeners out there and I uh, on this program and I can guarantee you there's not a one of you extra class operators that hasn't called CQ on a dummy load wondered why you didn't get an answer or tried to check into a 75 meter net on a 20 meter beam as I tried to do the other night or turned on the rig and wondered what was wrong with the audio when you realized the headphones were still plugged in from the night before you know we're supposed to learn and experiment and test things and study things and develop things. Those are not enforcement problems. And the new licensees, uh, the new technicians, uh, new licensees, they cause very few problems. Any, any problem they cause is, is 99 times, 99% an honest mistake. And uh, I can also honestly say that at the FCC, I didn't notice any difference in enforcement issues once the code requirement was eliminated. You know, a lot of the people that complain about there not being a code requirement anymore, frankly, haven't made a CW contact in 20 years. Right, my daughter has a, has a question. Um, what was one of the biggest um, cases you had of people, um, you know, like, cramming the bands or being rude or however the case may be? Well, the, the, the biggest problem we have, and it's partly a reflection on today's society, you know, in today's society, everybody has rights. They don't worry too much about responsibilities. And they'll get mad in the Walmart parking lot because somebody, quote, took their parking place when there's 175 vacant parking spaces in other areas of the parking lot. The biggest problem is attitude and conduct on 80 meters and 40 meters. Uh, usually it's related to a net, a net that is met for 20 years on a certain frequency. And uh, they think that they own that frequency and, and they really don't. Uh, the length of time you've used it isn't relevant. But you'll have somebody on there who innocently did not know that the net was going to start or that there even was a net by that name and they're one kilohertz away. So the net comes on and says, get out of here, it's time for our net to start. And they take offense of that. And then the fight starts and they don't want to leave. 
And uh, a lot of problems can be solved by one of the parties moving a couple of kilohertz away. And that's why on every piece of equipment from the day amateur radio was invented to, to right now, on every transceiver there's one big knob. And that's to get your attention to let you know that's how easy it is to change frequencies. So it's usually attitude and, and one party gets mad and then the next night they'll make sure they start up on a net frequency. Just senseless things like that. That uh, would be an, um, really, uh, isn't a, really that's an embarrassment to amateur radio because we take tests on this stuff. We're supposed to know how to operate this stuff and we have thousands of discrete frequencies and we don't even have to worry about channels except on 60 meters. All right, we're, we're listening to him on WTBR-FM. We have Raleigh Hollinsworth, K4ZDH, and we're talking the Volunteer Mentor Program. Um, we've got about eight minutes, and you said you had more comments that you wanted to put out for the, uh, for, for the project, so the last eight minutes of the show is all yours. Okay, uh, just to clarify, uh, it's Volunteer Monitor Program not mentor but we are mentors we hope so uh, in, in a sense you you have it right there um, basically i just want to say that there's plenty of frequencies for everybody there's plenty of room out there and a little more kindness will go a long way whether it's cutting a net some slack uh, or just cooperating and maybe moving a couple of kilohertz that you don't you don't have to do it you have rights, of course. Amateur radio operators think that they have rights, but, you know, really, uh, when you look at it, we don't have any rights. What we have are privileges granted by license, and it says that on the license. So it never hurts to cut somebody a break. And, you know, you can, for example, at a large concert or sporting event, when you're leaving that event, you can pull out of your parking space drive straight on down the road and go home and not let anybody in in front of you if you want to do it you've got a right to do that but to the extent you stop and let somebody else in and somebody behind you let somebody else in in the lane everybody gets home quicker so it's not about rights it's about the best use of the bands and, and courtesy and uh, you, you can see it when you pull up to a yield sign on the highway. If you go flying up to that yield sign like you're going to get out on that road, no matter what, people will speed up to keep you from coming on the highway. If you just ease up there with the apparent attitude, man, I'd sure like to get out in the traffic lane here. They'll slow down to let you out. It's just the way human nature is today. And, and that'll change. Uh, people are more rude now. Uh, they're more focused on rights and not responsibilities. And you know how the times are. It's just a sign of the times, and maybe that'll change. But a little more kindness, a little more courtesy, and giving up a little bit of territory when you don't have to will make the bands uh, vastly better. Right, and one, one last question. Um, for people that are on, you know, on the show, and they get on the air and go, okay, this guy's interfering with this guy, and how do, we, how do they get a hold of you or get a hold of the volunteer monitors to report that? Well, if you report it to the, uh, to the league, the field services area of the league, or just any of the league addresses there, they'll get it to the volunteer monitor program. And uh, we'll take a look at it and assign somebody to it, maybe make some personal contact. But uh, it's filed through the ARRL, and my, my email address is fine, too. That's very well known. 
and you can find that on the on the league website as well. But my address is K4 Zulu Delta Hotel at awrl.net. So you file it through the league, it goes to the volunteer monitor program. We try to solve it. If we can't, it goes to the FCC. That's the whole thing in a nutshell. All right, Riley, thank you very much for being on the show. It was a, it was a good show. It was very informative. And thank hope we can uh, get you on here again. It took a few months to get you on this time. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, it'll be easier next time. It was pretty much of a flurry there, you know, trying to make a, get in touch with 195 people to interview them. That takes some time, even with, even with cell phones and voicemail. But we're set up now. So I would like to be on again and maybe... Uh, Every couple of months, we could come on and give you an update. Um, like I give to everybody else, and Rhea got this, and, and Ray, my section manager. Anytime you want to come on here and give us an update, I give you the air. I, I give you the the air to to work with. Okay, thanks very much, Peter. I appreciate it, and I'll talk to you soon. And thanks for the questions that we got. Hey. And any other questions, just send them to my email address, as I said. K4 Zulu Delta Hotel at awrl.net, and I will answer your question. It may take me a couple of days, but uh, send that question in and you'll get an answer. Hi, thank you, Riley, for being here. You're a wonderful guest. Thank On behalf of Peter much. and Jessica and Riley, this has been Ham on the WTBR FM, and we will talk to you next week. Send me dreams. <laughs>